Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and his church, grow in faith and understanding of God's word, and serve in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to attend any of our three services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Take your Bibles open to Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1. If you forgot your Bible or don't have one, there's one in the seat in front of where you're sitting. It's a black hardbound book. Take that out. We're on page 980 this morning, 980. You probably noticed uh, there's a group of students all wearing the same t-shirt and adults sitting in this part of our room. This is D-Now Weekend for us. D-Now Weekend, if you don't know, is short for Disciple Now. It's an opportunity for our students to gather in host homes and then to come and worship here at the church and fellowship and, and do meals together. And it's kind of an intensive week of Bible study, worship, and, and just a lot of fun. So we had a lot of kids this year. I think almost 90 students involved in D-Now. Uh, I think 18 college and young adult leaders 16 host home leaders. Uh, we had a lot of people behind the scenes. I think when John did all the numbers, we had about 150 people total, including our kids, that were involved in D-Now. What an exciting weekend. What a, what a neat opportunity. We had seventh grade girls this year. Last year, we had sixth grade boys. Uh, I prayed about that, and the Lord kind of got us through, and we survived the sixth grade boys. Seventh grade girls this year, great. We had a lot of fun last year. A lot of fun this year. A lot of host homes. If you're an adult... Uh, or one of the leaders, college uh, all the way up, stand up. If you transported kids or cooked or cleaned or did anything, just stand up, adults, any leaders. Everybody stand up. There's some in the back. Yeah, let's give them a round of applause. We had a lot of college kids that came in uh, just for the weekend. Thank you guys for doing that. Uh, just a really fun, energetic time. Glad you guys are with us this morning. It's exciting to see you all sitting together and celebrating. They had breakfast at the 9.30 service, then here at 11. You know, if you get a chance before uh, you leave today and you know one of these students or have a relationship with them, just let them know you love them, okay? The world they're growing up in is vastly different than the world you and I grew up in, a lot of us. And the things they struggle with, uh, the things they see, the things they're bombarded with, they need prayer, and they really need to know that there's a group of people in this church that love them and support them and are praying for them and are here for them. So we'll let them know at some point today how much you love them. We're continuing in our sermon series this morning. We've entitled To Live as Christ. We're walking through the book of Philippians, and I've challenged you during the course of this series uh, over the next many weeks to do something a little bit different. It's not real complicated. It's not difficult to do. Students, I'll challenge you with the same thing. Why don't you decide during this study that once a week you're going to read through the book of Philippians? right? The book of Philippians is only four chapters. It's about 1,600 words. It's not a lot of reading. You can do it in, in 30 minutes, even faster if you're a quick reader. It would be a great encouragement. You'd be challenged. If you really want to kind of step to the head of the class, you can read through the book of Philippians every day, right? Not too difficult to do. If you do this, if you read through it once a week or even more, you'll be amazed at how the Lord will reveal things to you as you read back through it a second, third, fourth, fifth time. 
You'll have read it three or four times, and the fourth time you read it, the, the Lord will, will show you something or kind of enlighten you in some way through the power of the Spirit to see something you hadn't seen before, and you'll be blessed, I promise you. So I just want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you as we walk through this, this uh, sermon series together, take notes if you want to, pay attention, allow the Lord to speak to you through his word. Now, last week we started with some foundation, and I want to give that to you again to make sure we understand what we're building on moving forward. We looked at really just the two, uh, first two verses of Philippians 1 last week, and we saw these main ideas that we are saints in Christ, we are servants of Christ, and we receive grace and peace from Christ, right? The idea is that Christ is foundational, Everything Paul's going to do is built on the truth of Jesus Christ. Everything he's going to say, all of his missionary work, all of his ministry, all that is founded on Christ. So I just want to challenge you as we study through Philippians, as we better understand it, to take this truth of building our life on Christ and apply it in your world. Because if Christ isn't your foundation, you're going to have problems. Paul understands this, Paul writes about this, Paul teaches this. So with Christ as our foundation, let's jump right in this morning to verse 3, Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 and follow. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this. That he who began a good work and you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about you all. Because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace. Both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. So we're going to take some truth. We're going to understand better what Paul's saying here. And the first thing I want you to see this morning relates to his relationship to the church at Philippi. Truth number one, there is great joy in partnering with others in the work of the gospel. There is great joy in partnering with others in the work of the gospel. Now, the church at Philippi supported Paul. They supported him really in, in two significant ways. The first was financially. So they would send him money occasionally. They would help him with his ministry. They'd help finance what he did and his travel. And when we go to different towns and start churches, they would send him money and help him. The other significant way they helped him is spiritually. Right? They would pray for him. Sometimes they would send workers to help him. They partnered with him in his words, defending and really proclaiming the gospel. So you see this idea of partnership that's very, very important to Paul. And he demonstrates this with different phrases. So, so pull those verses beginning in three back up again, if you would, for me. I want you to see some things that he says. He thanks God for these people in verse 3. In verse 4, he talks about his joy at the very end of 4. Into verse 5, he talks about the partnership in the gospel. Go to verse 7 now. He says, I hold you in my heart. You're partakers with me. Verse 8, I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. Right? Paul loved these people. He served with these people. He longed to see them again and work with them. Now listen, sometimes we see the Christian walk as a struggle. 
Sometimes we see ministry as a chore or a burden, and I would grant that sometimes ministry is very difficult. But Paul has a different take on it. Paul understands that ministry is hard work, it's difficult, it can be a struggle, but he finds great joy in partnering with these people to do the work of the Lord. And so kind of just a side note for us as we study through this and read this and try to better understand it, who are we partnering with to share the gospel? You you guys are in school every day, right? Praise the Lord you're back in school, right? We're all excited about that. But you have now, if you didn't already know this, and you kind of look side to side and front and back of where you're sitting, you've got partners now that maybe you didn't even know about before. Right? There are other students that think like you think. There are other students that feel like you feel. There are other students that love the Lord like you love the Lord. There are other students now that you maybe have met this weekend or maybe you've built a stronger relationship with. Now you can walk back into your school with some confidence that somebody's got my back. Somebody feels the way I feel. And so you begin to find strength, and we're going to see what that does for Paul in a few minutes as he talks about boldness. But you've got this opportunity when you go back into the schools to not only share your faith, to not only live with Christ, but to partner with some other people in your school of your age to do the same thing. Maybe you start a Bible study after school. Maybe you decide you're going to sit at a different table for lunch so you specifically can witness to a person that needs to hear about Christ. Maybe you find two or three other people that were with you in D now, and y'all decide, listen, we're just going to do this. I was afraid before, but let's kind of work together at school for the sake of the gospel. What are we doing at work to do the same thing? Are we partnering up with people in our place of business that are Christians, that are believers, that are interested in reaching the world for Christ? What are we doing to partner with people for the sake of Christ? You heard Stacy in our uh, little video at the very beginning, our, our ads, talking about the partnership we have with the Hispanic Church. I'm just curious, and we did this in the first service, how many of you before the video knew that Rosemont had a Hispanic mission here in church, in town? Raise your hand. Okay, good, most of you. That's fantastic. Most of the first service knew. Ugo's been there for 23 years, faithful man of God. If you don't know Ugo, you ought to uh, enrich your life and get to know him. Go to lunch with him. Go, go to dinner with he and Sandy. Great family, great ministry. Ugo works really hard in the Latino community. There's a lot of change and a lot of turnover right? There's a lot of people that kind of come and go. And so he works with those people and loves them and ministers to them. And Rosemont supports that financially and in other ways. But it's a great partnership we have. And listen, it brings me and hope you great joy to work and to partner with Ugo for the sake of the gospel. Same thing for our partners overseas. We've got partners in all parts of the world. Many of you have been to those places We've got partners in different parts of our country. We've got partners locally that do great work, and it brings us great joy when we work with those people and partner with them for the sake of Christ. But I want you to look what Paul does here. Pull verse 6 back up because there's there's a foundational truth built into this. Because here's what we do. We see this text, and we understand that there are partners and that Paul does great work, and there are things we ought to be doing. We'll see more of this as we walk through this passage this morning. But we kind of become afraid, and we'll cover boldness in just a few minutes. But we don't really know if we can accomplish these things. Like, y'all are probably thinking, I, you know, I just don't know if I can start a Bible study 
after school. I don't really know if I can sit at a lunch table with somebody I don't know. I'm scared. I don't really know if I can do this at work. I'm not real confident in talking to this coworker or doing certain things at a sporting event. I'm just not sure I can do it. I'm not sure God's going to use me in this. Listen, there's a promise embedded in this truth that you need to get. Philippians 1.6. If you're taking notes, you ought to underline it. Maybe it's even a point of memorization for you. Here's what Paul says. I am sure of this, right? I'm on verse 6 here. I'm sure of this, that he's talking about the Lord, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Let me read it again. Paul says, I'm sure of this. I'm positive of this. I'm 100% on this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Christ, right? There's this built-in truth to this text that when God calls you to do something, whatever that is, he's going to walk with you and give you the strength to complete it. Did you know that? What a promise. I don't know about you, but sometimes I start things and don't finish them. I know nobody else has ever done that before, but sometimes I start things and don't finish them, right? You start with great intentions, Right, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but don't raise your hand seriously. How many of y'all decided this year you're going to lose 15 pounds, right? All of us probably. At some point, we're like, yeah, I'm going to lose 10 or 15. And man, day one, we're on it. We're at the gym at 5 a.m. We're on the treadmill, lifting weights. We're drinking a ton of water, whatever we need to do. Day five, we we fall off the wagon, don't we, right? We're great with good intentions, Right? We're great starting strong and sometimes just falling off and never actually doing anything. This promise in verse 6 ought to bring us great excitement and great encouragement. When the Lord calls us to do something, he's going to walk with us and he is going to complete it. You understand that? Such a beautiful reminder. Now we see a couple of things here. The idea of God beginning this work. Right? One, one scholar said it like this. It means to inaugurate. And the tense, right, the tense of the verb employed points to a decisive and deliberate act by the Lord. Both the impulsive and the imperfect are ruled out. Here was something planned and executed to perfection, right? Paul said, listen, church at Philippi, God has started this work. It was his idea It was his plan. He's walking through it with us. He is going to give us the strength we need to complete it. Right? We we see that in salvation. By the way, you don't lose your salvation. This is a whole nother sermon. But salvation was God's idea. Did Did you know that? He's the author and perfecter of our faith. And so we don't lose our salvation. If we truly trust in Christ, he's going to complete that. He's going to bring it to completion. Right? We see it with our salvation. We also see it with the things he calls us to do while on this earth. Whatever that looks like, God has given us this beautiful promise that he's going to complete it. And so we ask ourselves the question, listen, what are we doing to partner with people? What are we doing to walk along people, beside people? What are we doing to make the gospel known? What is the Lord doing in us that he's going to give us the strength to complete? Right? When we begin to see it like that, pull that first point back up. When we begin to see it like that and look at it like that, we find great joy, right? Partnering with people for the sake of the gospel because we know Christ is at work. We know Christ has called us to do it. We know he's going to walk with us and give us the strength to complete whatever he's asked us to do. Now, let's continue. Look at verse 9. Paul's going to shift gears here. 
Philippians chapter 1, now in verse 9, Paul says, it's my prayer. So he's gone from kind of encouraging and talking through the partnership. Now he's talking about how he prays for the people of Philippi. It's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Right? We've seen this idea of this plan of the Lord, this partnership, how God is going to bless that. It's going to grow. Here's the second truth. As we grow in love, we grow in righteousness. As we grow in love, we grow in righteousness. I think it's an interesting idea here that Paul prays for his friends. He prays for those people he's partnering with. When's the last time, and I hope very soon ago, when's the last time you prayed for your friends? When's the last time you prayed for somebody you were partnering with in the ministry? It's a great question. It's a very challenging question. We're very good at praying for ourselves. We're very good at praying for our families for our children, grandchildren. We're very good at praying for people that are very close to us and specific situations. But I worry sometimes we're not praying for one another. We're not praying for those partnerships. You you may say, listen, I've never actually had a partnership with anybody. I'm not quite sure what that would look like. I'm interested in it. Then maybe your prayer ought to be the Lord open your eyes to what that partnership could be. Students, maybe you start praying for another person at school that you can do a Bible study with. Or another person you can sit with at lunch. Or maybe adults, we're praying for somebody at work that we can talk to. The Lord will lead us to. Paul is praying for these people very specifically. But he's praying about something that's foundational to the Christian walk. Let's look at verse 9 again. I want you to see exactly what Paul's praying for. I want you to notice in this text a progression. One of the things I love about Paul, he's very logical in his thinking. He kind of thinks through things, and he kind of gives us usually a progression of what it ought to look like. So there's a progression built into these verses about our growth in Christ, right? So it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more. So Paul is, first of all, praying about their love. Now, you probably know this, but if you don't, let me just remind you and encourage you. Love is the foundation of the Christian walk. In fact, we see that all through Scripture, We see all sorts of verses that talk to and talk about the idea of love. For example, you don't have to look them up, but I want you to listen to what the New Testament says. John chapter 13, beginning in verse 34. This is Christ speaking. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Now listen, this is verse 35 of John 13. By this, by your love. All people will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Isn't that interesting? Listen, Christian t-shirts are cool. Bumper stickers are cool. Social media posts about our faith is really cool. But the way the world's really going to know for followers of Christ is the way we love. Did you know that? It's amazing. We can do all sorts of other things, but if we don't love, we've missed it, right? That's what 1 Corinthians 13 teaches In fact, we read in 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy, clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries. By the way, could you imagine having prophetic powers and understanding all mysteries and knowledge and have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing? 
If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Right? Love is foundational. Right? We're going to demonstrate Christ to the world by the way we love. You understand that? So just a side note, and I know it's hard to not do this, and I just I kind of step back sometimes and just watch. Typically, you're not going to convert somebody to Christ by arguing with them on Facebook. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Now, listen, I get it. Man, I get frustrated sometimes, and then I delete it, you know, because I don't want to do that in front of everybody. Sometimes it's good, and, and there may be a place for that, but I'm telling you, I'm just telling you, love somebody, for real love somebody, and see how they change. That's the answer. Love them in the name of Christ and watch how they change. So Paul says, listen, my prayer for you is that your love, not just that you have love, but that it may abound. So it's not this idea that we just love the same amount the whole time we're on this earth. The idea is that we see how Christ loved us, and the more we love him, the more we love others. And so your walk in Christ ought to be this slow kind of upward tick towards being more and more like Jesus. You don't want to wake up in 20 years, students, and see that you love the Lord the same way you did when you were 16 or 14 or 12 or 18. You want to look back and say, yeah, I used to love the Lord, but man, I really love him now. I've really grown in my faith, right? There's going to be ups and downs, kind of like a roller coaster. There are good times and there are bad times. But generally speaking, overall, we ought to be loving and growing in our faith. But Paul adds something to it, right? Here's the progression, right? He's praying about love. It's foundational. He's praying that the love may abound. It needs to grow, right? We see that. It's not stagnant. With, how does our love grow? Look at the second half of verse 9. With knowledge and all discernment. Paul says, listen, we need to love like Christ loved. Our love needs to grow, and the way it grows is when we have more knowledge and discernment. See, Christianity and walking with Christ is not rocket science. It's not complicated. If you'll spend time studying God's Word, if you'll spend time in prayer, if you'll spend time trusting Him and loving others, then you will grow in knowledge and discernment, your love will grow, it will abound, you'll be more Christ-like, you grow in your faith. So you ask yourself the question, listen, am I growing? Am I growing in the way I love people? Am I growing in my understanding? Am I growing with my wisdom of who Christ is? But I want you to see the result here, right? This is what Paul does. He gives us this progression, very logical in his thought. And then there is a final answer here. There's a final response. Look at verse 9. It's my prayer that your love may abound more and more. It's growing with knowledge and all discernment, well, understanding, spending time in God's word. Look at verse 10. So that, right, there's a result if you do these things, then this will occur. If your love abounds, if it's growing, if your knowledge and discernment is increasing so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Right When we love and our love grows, when our discernment and understanding of Christ grow, then we are pure and blameless. We know what's right. We know what's excellent. We make good decisions. We become righteous. All right, students, listen. Your life, like you guys are young right now. Y'all got a long way to go. Your life is going to be the result of the decisions you make. Did you know that? 
You're going to look back 30 years and you're going to say, I made good decisions or I made bad decisions, right? The decisions you make are going to impact directly your life for years to come. And you guys in college especially, y'all are in this zone where the decisions you're going to make over the next several years are going to be massive in the trajectory of your life, right? If you don't believe me, you can spend some time with the people that are a little bit older than you and ask them and then I'll tell you. Yeah, the decisions you make in college, high school, college, young adult matter. You make the wrong decision about marriage or the wrong decision about something you do or the wrong decision financially, that might stay with you for the rest of your life. Now, I'm not trying to scare you because there are good answers. What I'm trying to help you understand is if you want to make good decisions, do it based on this, right? I wish I had my phone. I was going to say not based on this, right? Because the world will tell you one thing. Sometimes very different from what Christ tells you. The Bible says, listen, if your love grows more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent, right? Then you'll know what's right. Then you'll be pure and blameless, filled with righteousness. Paul says, listen, there's this process that we grow in our walk with Christ. There's this process that we grow in love, right? So there's the partnership that Paul sees. There's joy in serving with other brothers and sisters doing the work of Christ. There's this idea of growing in Jesus. Our love may abound as our discernment and knowledge of Christ increases. Then we may know what's excellent. We may be pure and righteous in Christ, right? It's a beautiful picture. But now we're going to kind of take a turn here in verse 12. And this is a struggle. This is one of the themes we see throughout the, ver- verse, uh, throughout the book of Philippians. Verse 12 of Philippians 1, right? So he's just finished with his prayer. Now he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He's going to talk about that here right now. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Verse 14, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former Proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Verse 18, what then? He's like, so what? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Here's truth number three. Our boldness in affliction encourages others. Our boldness in affliction or in struggle, in problems, encourages others. Now, I've already said this. You've kind of seen this, but it's a theme that's going to run throughout the book of Philippians. Paul, when he writes this letter, is in prison, probably in Rome. And you can just imagine what it must be like in prison. By the way, Paul was arrested for his faith. It wasn't if he killed somebody or stole something. Paul was arrested because he was a follower and outspoken uh, leader of Christ. So Paul is put in prison. He talks about being in prison several times in verse 12 and 13, 14, 17. Now listen, I've never been in jail, praise the Lord, right? I know some have, and there's absolute forgiveness in that, right? God redeems. He's the God of redemption, 
but I've never been in prison. But I can tell you, if I, if I was in prison, especially if I'd been falsely accused and mistreated, I'm not sure my response would be like Paul's. I would probably be mad and angry and bitter about my imprisonment. I wouldn't be too happy about it. I'd probably be thinking about how I can get back at these people, how wrong they are, how angry I'm going to be when I finally get out. Paul instead, in the midst of great difficulty, in the midst of great affliction, says different things. Paul says, listen, I'm not mad. Instead, verse 3, I'm going to be thankful to God. Verse 4, I'm filled with joy. Verse 8, I have great affection for you. Verse 11, I'm going to give glory and praise to God, right? Paul has a very different approach to his imprisonment. You're like, how can Paul be in prison, be falsely accused? By the way, Paul's eventually going to lose his life for the sake of the gospel. How can Paul live in these circumstances and be joy, be joyful? Listen, it's all about his perspective. Paul saw it very differently than we see it. Paul understood something that we might may not necessarily understand. I want you to see it. Pull verse 12 up. I want you to see how Paul's perspective is very different than ours. Look at verse 12. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. See the different perspective? Paul says, it's really not about me in prison. It's not about being falsely accused. It's instead ultimately about advancing the gospel. Verse 13, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Here's what Paul's saying. Listen, this is a hard pill to swallow. It's difficult for us to kind of think through this and live like this. Paul says, listen, it doesn't matter what happens to me. It doesn't matter what struggles I have. It doesn't matter what afflictions I face. In the end, I want God to receive glory. And if that's the case, then I'll suffer whatever for his sake. Very, very difficult, isn't it? Because typically when bad things happen to us, we want to get rid of them. We want to figure out what we've done wrong. We want to figure out how to correct it. We want to figure out who can pay for what's happened to us. Instead, Paul says, listen, I'm in prison, and I'm in prison for Christ. And then he says something very interesting here in verse 14. He says, most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Watch. Sometimes all it takes is for one person to be bold in Christ, and others will follow. Right? If... if Philippians 1, 6 is true, and what God starts, he's going to finish. Then he started something in your life through salvation. He's got a plan for your life in sharing the gospel. He's going to call you to do great things. He's going to finish what he started in your life. Maybe you need to be that person that stands up and is bold for your faith. Because when you do that, other people notice things change People come to know Jesus. That's what Paul says. You say, it's not easy for me. It's difficult for me. I don't feel like it. I'm not a very energetic person. I'm kind of shy sometimes. I'm introverted. Here's what one writer said. Boldness in the biblical sense is not a personality trait. 
A typically soft-spoken, introverted, calm person can be bold at a time when a typically driven, outspoken, brash person shrinks back. Boldness is acting by the power of the Holy Spirit on an urgent conviction in the face of some threat. Listen, Paul says, I'm faithful, I'm trustworthy, I'm bold for the sake of Christ. What's the Lord calling you to do? Right? You need to do something. Not good enough just to sit. Not good enough just to soak. Not good enough to enjoy the air conditioning in the summer and the heat in the winter and the nice comfortable seats. It's not good enough. I hope I'm not stepping on your toes at home. It's not good enough just to decide you don't want to come to church. You're going to watch it at home instead. Right? We offer that, and we want that to be taken advantage of if you need it. But if you kind of fall into the category of I've just kind of gotten lazy and I enjoy sitting in my pajamas, now's the time to kind of get back. What's God calling you to do at at school, at work, on the sports field? God has got incredible plans for your life. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to partner with people. He wants you to grow in your faith and love and understanding of who he is. He wants you to be bold. And when you trust him and follow him in obedience and in boldness, Christ will do great things. He'll change your life. and He'll change the lives of others around you for his honor and for his glory. Let me pray for us now.